Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time we return to the subject of Boris Johnson's attendance at a party in Italy at a fairy tale castle owned by newspaper proprietor Evgeny Lebedev, son of former KGB spy Alexander Lebedev. Evgeny, who owns The Independent and The Evening Standard, became a life peer in 2020, despite reports of concerns by the security services. Lebedev insists that he is not a security risk, but we'll be hearing from the Labour MP Matt Weston, who says he has been the victim of a coordinated attempt to silence his awkward questions about the affair, plus Byline Times political editor Adam Bienkoff. First, though, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, our wonderful monthly newspaper. We can report without fear or favour and hold the rich and the powerful to account because our funding comes from ordinary subscribers, people like you. There is no corporate interest or millionaire backer telling us what to say. So please subscribe, if you can, to the Byline Times. Get details at bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. And if you have already subscribed, thank you. Now, just listen to this. An exchange in the House of Commons in March between Boris Johnson and the Labour MP, Matt Weston. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's nice to see the Prime Minister back. Uh, I missed him last week. Um, (laughs) Fantasy Castle, perhaps Snow White too. Certainly girls, girls, girls were promised at a party. Less burlesque, more Berlusconi. According to a former minister, it seems the Prime Minister has been entertained at these bunga bunga parties hosted by his close friend, a a Russian oligarch. Given his many weaknesses, could leave him open to blackmail. Why does the Prime Minister think that MI6... Why does the Prime Minister... Why does the Prime Minister think the MI6 may not entirely trust him. Well, uh, Mr. Speaker, I'm afraid I, I, I missed. I, 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 last week I wasn't here to benefit from one of his elaborately confected uh, questions. Uh, I, 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 admire, I admire his style, uh, Mr. Speaker. I, I, I'm afraid I simply failed to detect any any crouton of substance in the minist- <laughs> the, the minestrone of nonsense uh, that he just spoke of. We'll hear in a moment from the chef of that supposed minestrone, Matt Weston. First, though, Byline Times political editor Adam Bienkoff. And Adam, welcome. We've spoken before about this curious visit to the Italian fairy tale castle, to Johnson's links to the Lebvedevs. It's the, the gift that keeps on giving. And I know that you have followed this story for many years. Yeah, so I, I first noticed that Johnson was taking these trips to Italy when he was mayor of London and it appeared on his register of interests. And he, he continued to make these sort of annual trips to parties at Lebedev's place in Italy. But what we didn't know is what was taking place at these parties or what, what was discussed. And there was one particular visit that he made uh, shortly after a NATO meeting, a meeting on the attempted assassination of Sergei uh, Skripal, in which he attended without his security detail. And we know that he met Ivni Lebedev's father, Alexander Lebedev, former KGB agent, without any security detail, without any staff from the Foreign Office, who was a uh, Foreign Secretary at the time. 
and we don't know what was discussed. And it took a very long time for the prime minister to even admit that this meeting took place. And this was the this was the subject of the question that uh, Matt Weston was was asking about in the comments just then. Yeah, Johnson only admitted that he'd had the, this meeting with Alexander Lebedev in his final prime minister's questions before leaving as prime minister. Yes, and it's an extremely serious matter. I mean, potentially there were matters of national security being talked about here. We don't have, there's no minutes of this meeting. This is somebody who, Alexander Lebedev, who the Canadian government have recently sanctioned because they believe that he is closely linked to Vladimir Putin. So this is a matter of potentially of national security concern. And this is something that the Prime Minister, until very recently, didn't even acknowledge had happened. And there are still a lot of questions that need to be asked about what was discussed at that meeting, as well as the sort of wider relationship between Johnson and the Lebedevs. Why did the Prime Minister, for instance, appoint Evening Lebedev to the House of Lords, despite, as we understand it, concerns from the security services? Why were those concerns overruled? what was discussed at these meetings. So these are all questions that need to be asked and they require a serious response. And as you heard in that clip, they, they haven't really got it from the Prime Minister. Mm. And the morning after the particular party where Johnson met Alexander Lebedev, he arrived at the airport to come back to the UK. He told other passengers that he had, he was the worse for wear. So uh, not a good look particularly. So Matt Weston, welcome to the Byline Times podcast. Tell me, when you first became concerned about all this? This has been bubbling away in the background and, you know, all credit to those of you in the media, in whichever form, who are actually bringing public attention to this, because it's a story that many of us have been aware of, but which has been suppressed from a lot of the mainstream media, if I may say, despite the best efforts of many people to, to raise this. And to be fair, there are there are others in Parliament who I think have, have done a very good job on this and, and certain newspaper journalists as well. But my interest in it really grew most of uh, in 2019, then 2020-21, I guess, with other issues, it sort of fell more to the background. But I think what was telling really was how Boris Johnson celebrated his election victory in December 2019. So the day after the election, he went to a party at Alexander Lebedev's. So you have to answer the question, why was that such a priority? Uh, why was he not with all his campaign workers and so on? And then, you know, you spin forward, look at these various parties, as Adam was saying, that he attended yearly, what I describe as bunga bunga parties, very, very questionable what was going on. And certainly we have people like Rory Stewart to thank for giving us some insight into the nature of those parties. And then really, there was this one in 2019, which is, of course, of particular concern. And Johnson has denied any wrongdoing here, but so has Evgeny Lebedev. So do we have any reason to suspect that anything untoward happened? Well, there is enough smoke out there for us to, to realise there is there is a lot of heat and if not a fire. And I would suggest that the reaction to my question in March was pretty extraordinary. And I think the fact that there have been noises coming out unofficially, perhaps maybe even officially from MI6 about the concerns that they have had. And so much so that Theresa May, when she was prime minister, 
was restricting the briefings for Boris Johnson when he was then foreign secretary because of the concerns surrounding him as an individual and his trustworthiness. And this is where we come, Matt, to the allegation that you've made only recently that there was a a coordinated attempt to silence you. Just tell me what happened. Well, there's a certain amount I can tell you and, and some perhaps that is more difficult. I found myself in an extraordinary circumstance where I had a, a PMQ actually on the 16th of March where I wanted to raise uh, questions about the relationships between the governing party, uh, the Conservatives, and the Russian oligarchs, which, which I did. But unfortunately, it was Dominic Raab who was sitting in for the Prime Minister because he was away. And then I got a, a follow-up, believe it or not, the following Wednesday, and the Prime Minister was back. So I just put it to him that there were these concerns uh, from MI6, that he had been invited to this party, what was promised at that party. Certainly, uh, we are told by Rory Stewart, a former minister of Theresa May's government, when he was then working in the Foreign Office. I put it to him that he had attended uh, this party and that he had met the Lebdes and there were concerns from MI6 about his attendance. And of course, as you heard in the clip, he refuted that. I I think he described it as, what was it, sort of lacking a crouton of substance in a minestrone of nonsense, I think was how he put it. You know, which is really disrespectful, Adrian. That's my real anger, is how disrespectful that is. Not just to parliament, but really to the public, that he will not answer serious questions about his trustworthiness and his behaviour when Foreign Secretary, but now as Prime Minister. But you were then contacted by both Johnson and Evgeny Lebedev in reaction to this, in what you think was a a coordinated effort to silence you. So my Prime Minister's question was on Wednesday, the 23rd of March this year. And I found the next morning I got a summons to meet with the Speaker. Now, I have the whole the Speaker in the highest regard, but he had been written to by both Number 10 Downing Street and by Lord Lebedev, Evgeny Lebedev, separately, both making a statement of complaint against my question the previous day, saying that it was out of order. Now, there are sort of two interesting things. One is that there was a letter from two separate bodies. The second question, really, is the fact that one of them, Lord Lebedev, I didn't even mention in my question. So I may have alluded to him, but I certainly didn't mention him. So uh, it's slightly surprising that he should have responded in that way. Mm. You raised this issue on social media only recently. And have you been able to raise any further questions in the House since March? Or have you or your colleagues done so uh, and felt emboldened to do so by this reaction? Well, we did, we did have a debate, which the public may be aware of, and that was really about Lord Lebedev's appointment to the House of Lords and whether the Prime Minister was right to do so and what concerns were raised by the Lords Commissioners in that appointment. And there were, there were real concerns raised by the Lords Commissioners. Quite what happened, we don't know. And of course, that's where more digging needs to be done. And I actually spoke in the debate and sadly that led to 
a tweet from Lord Lebedev in response to something I said in that debate, uh, where he told me, and I quote, to shut up. And Adam, if a member of parliament in the House of Commons is raising what appear on the face of it to be legitimate concerns, however well-founded, and we just don't know, but however well-founded they are, they're raising what appear to be fair questions. It kind of ill behoves a member of the House of Lords to tell them to shut up. Yes, and uh, more importantly, it ill behoves the Prime Minister to respond in, in the way that he has. And it's it's worth stating as well that the, the House of Commons did hold a vote seeking to compel the Prime Minister what advice he was given about Ibn Lebedev by the security services. And he essentially ignored that vote, did not meet the deadline that was set by MPs. And when he did finally come around to releasing uh, some information, it was so heavily redacted to the point of essentially giving no extra information whatsoever. So there, there does seem to be a sort of contempt for elected MPs, both from the Prime Minister and, of course, from Evgeny Lebedev. And it's interesting why the Prime Minister went to such lengths to get him into the House of Lords and believe that was such an important step for him to take. Uh, and then Lebedev himself has not featured it at all in the, the other chamber, other than to give his maiden speech. He has not he's not addressed the chamber since then. So it's a it's a very curious story as to exactly why Johnson was so keen to get him in, in the House of Lords and why Lebedev himself actually wanted wanted to get in there and what is the nature of that relationship and what was promised on either side. Yeah, well, as a stress, Evgeny Lebedev himself says that he does not pose a security risk. And Boris Johnson said that the report in the Sunday Times, which alleged that the security services had voiced doubts about Lebedev's appointment to the House of Lords, were simply incorrect. So I think it's important to place that on the record. Matt, from your point of view, where do you go from here? Well, I think uh, we keep pressing, we keep asking questions about this, because I think there is much more that will come out in due course. There has to be. The fact that Boris Johnson, Prime Minister, uh, revealed back on the 6th of July, the fact he had met Alexander Lebedev you know, back in April 2018, uh, came as a bit of a surprise, uh, a revelation. So I think there is much more to come out. Um, I, for one, will continue to ask those questions. I don't think they're difficult questions. Uh, I think they're just very straightforward, honest questions. So I think we'll see uh, see what happens. But um, I'll actually miss asking him questions personally. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Aside from the Lebedev issue, there have been questions about Boris Johnson and his relationship with Russia. The Russia report examining the influence of the Russian state in British politics was much delayed. When it came out, it was heavily redacted. And there are questions about possible attempts at Russian interference in the EU referendum in 2016. Are these all issues that you and your colleagues think are worth pursuing? Absolutely. I think the Russia report, which of course was suppressed ahead of the 2019 election, eventually came out there are some real concerns about Russia's involvement. I think there's some fine work being done looking at the relationship between, say, Trump, Putin, Boris Johnson, the Conservatives, that needs to be understood. You know, I think we have to perhaps broaden this in terms of an appreciation of quite how deep this went. But 
you know, when we look at the situation in Ukraine and the fact that Ukraine wanted arms support from 2014 onwards after the invasion of Crimea, and they reached out to all nations, but uh, particularly to the UK and the US, back in 2018, the US did agree to sell Ukraine weapons. The UK did not because the policy of the government was to continue to normalize relations with Russia. Now, you simply have to look at the relationships between some of these oligarchs and the Russian state, and perhaps what their role is, and how much money was going into the UK, how they have perhaps gained influence, not perhaps, they have gained influence, uh, within the top hierarchy of UK government. If we're in the 1960s, Adrian, I think um, we might be describing this as uh, something akin to the Profumo scandal. And Adam, we know, don't we, that the Conservative Party has had substantial donors from Russian backers, that the Conservatives welcomed Russian investment from individuals who have now been sanctioned by the UK state, people like Roman Abramovich, the former owner of Chelsea Football Club, and of course, the City of London earned itself the nickname London Grad. These ties run deep. Yes, and although relations between UK and Russia have obviously massively deteriorated uh, since the start of the Ukraine war, links between Russian-linked individuals and the Conservative Party, do some, some, of, some of which do still continue. And these are tied to our likely next Prime Minister as well, this, this trust, who was famously photographed at an event with Theresa May and Lubov Chanukin, who is one of the biggest donors to the Conservative Party, and is also the wife of a former finance minister to Putin. And she uh, quite recently defended continuing to take those donations. So yes, this isn't a story that's going to go away. There are still strong ties between the Conservative Party and individuals linked to Russia. There were also questions about Rishi Sunak and his family's links to Russia. So Although on a sort of macro level, the relationship between Russia and the UK has obviously changed a great deal, there is still those strong ties with the Conservative Party and the sort of right, wider Russian diaspora. Adam, thank you. That's Adam Bienkoff, the Byline Times political editor. Thanks also to the Labour MP, Matt Weston. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been the Byline Times podcast, funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times. Get details about how to subscribe at bylinetimes.com and don't forget as well to check out the bylines app on your smartphone opening up the world of our regional bylines as well thanks very much indeed for listening see you next time